Hello and welcome back to the Future Work Life podcast. I'm Ollie Henderson and this is series seven of the show on which I explore the changing relationship between our work and personal lives. I've got some incredible guests coming up in this series. We'll be exploring all sorts of themes related to redesigning your career with some of the world's leading experts on goal setting and motivation, hybrid work, luck and serendipity and flow and peak performance. I'll also be speaking to people who have pivoted their careers and are now running fast-growing and award-winning businesses. In today's episode, you'll hear the incredible and inspiring story of the writer Laura Price. As you may know by now, I'm writing my first book, Work Life Flywheel, which will be published in January 2023. And probably my favourite aspect of putting it together has been the connections I've made along the way. Or in the case of Laura, remade, because we actually worked together at Bloomberg just over 15 years ago. Since my book explores why and how people make career transitions, Laura and I recently reconnected to discuss the twists and turns of her work life since we last spoke. Laura spent seven years at Bloomberg, moving from London to Sao Paulo and then to Buenos Aires, first in management roles before becoming a business journalist. In 2012, she decided to leave South America and move back closer to home, taking a job at Facebook in Dublin, where she would continue being able to use her Spanish and Portuguese language skills. But that's when she received news that would change the course of her life and ultimately her career too. Soon after she arrived in Ireland, doctors told her that a previously misdiagnosed lump in her breast was cancer. She moved back to her parents' house in Yorkshire for six months to start her treatment and began blogging about her experience on Huffington Post. After her successful cancer treatment and following positive feedback from friends and other readers, she made the call to pursue a passion she'd had since she was young and applied to go back to university to do a master's degree in magazine journalism. Nearly 10 years later, after initially working full-time for the world's 50 best restaurants, she's now established herself as a successful freelance journalist and, as of this week, she's a published author too. Her new novel, Single Bald Female, is available in the UK from the 14th of April. Laura and I discussed how her cancer diagnosis changed her perspective on life and work. She explained how she's adapted to freelancing, including its various ups and downs, and why she decided to dedicate so much time to writing her novel and now her new podcast, Life in Food. Thanks as ever for listening to the show. If you enjoy it, please make sure you subscribe and also check out my newsletter on Substack. A link is in the show notes, as well as, of course, a link to Laura's book, Single Bald Female. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Laura. I started by asking her why she decided to retrain as a magazine journalist and how she felt returning to education after already working in the profession for a few years. Yeah, so I was 29 when I was diagnosed with cancer and basically took almost a year out and went back to Facebook during that time. And then I think I was 31 when I started that degree. And most of the people there had gone straight from their um, undergrad degree to do their master's. So I was 10 years older than a lot of the people in the class um, and by far the oldest student in the class, which was quite strange and I think a lot of them thought why is she why has she gone back to study journalism when she's already a journalist Hmm. but for me it was like I'd never trained to be a journalist I'd just become one on the job and was really thrown in at the deep end at Bloomberg in Brazil in a language that wasn't my own and um and I, I I wanted to write for magazines. I actually wanted to write something a little bit lighter than than the Bloomberg financial stuff. And I didn't really know how to pitch to those magazines or how to, you know, how to get started. And I actually never ended up working full time for a magazine. It was still everything I was doing at 50 Best was online. And actually the job there became it was probably only about five percent, ten percent writing. The rest was video production. Um oh, right. like 
uh, curating events, doing public speaking, lots of communication stuff. It was very, very varied and it was incredible and lots of interviewing and all sorts of different things. But it didn't end up being that much writing. So how do you think about then the decision to go and study again? Was it the right decision? Could you have skipped that step and just gone straight into working in the role that you were doing at 50 Best? What were right about those decisions or what do you possibly regret? Yeah, I could absolutely have gone straight in or at least I didn't have to do that uni course, but I did it because I wanted to do it. It was something for me and it's, you know, it's that thing a lot of people talk about when they have an illness or even a lot more of us have experienced it now with the pandemic is if you've always wanted to do something and you've got the means to do it, then why not do it? Unfortunately, working at Bloomberg, you know, it was quite a well-paid job. So I had saved up some money and I was in a situation where I could take a little bit of time out and go and do that degree. And yeah, so for me, it was just it was just a, a pleasure thing. But I did get loads out of it as well. Um, and it didn't teach me how to be a journalist. But those courses kind of teach you a little bit about how the industry works and how you pitch and how you approach people. And for me, it was just, yeah, it was just time out to learn about the industry and do something that mm. I enjoyed and figure it all out, which was a, yeah. a nice little interlude at that point in my life, I think. And you had, obviously, that incredibly challenging experience of having the cancer diagnosis and then recovering, but presumably that will help guide any decisions you make in the future, as in it must have changed your perspective about the relationship between work and life, but just much more broadly about pursuing things that you're interested in and passionate about. When I was at Bloomberg, I had a long period where I would think about leaving I would think about going to take the leap into magazine journalism, which was what I'd wanted to do originally, but needed a well-paid job. And cancer was definitely the thing that gave me the, the push to do that because I realized that I might not be here forever and that I might not be able to, you know, wait 10 years to do that. So I did it then. And when you're in that moment of having cancer treatment, you're sort of in your own, own world, a bit like, again, like when we were in the, in the lockdowns and we all felt a little bit braver to do the things that we wanted to do. And then when you go back into the normal world and you're, you're working really hard and there's all these pressures around you, that bravery goes away a little bit. But I do have this thing of always being able to go back to that and think, actually, yes, I could work X amount and save up X amount to do this thing that I really want to do. Or I could take the leap of faith and do that project that's not going to earn me any money, but will give me the satisfaction. And I know that balance very well now. And mm. I think I even knew it when I was in my early 20s, but I was too afraid at that point, because I perhaps hadn't learned what the consequences could be or, you know, how short life was um but yeah I'm definitely quite good now I'm still very sensible and I'm still a saver and I'm not going to just quit my job and go and travel around the world um because I actually like work as well but definitely I've got that thing in me of knowing that it's not worth just working yourself to the ground working until you kill kill yourself because from stress and from taking on too much work and too many things do come illnesses yeah yeah 
I think it's interesting as well. It isn't a binary choice, is it, generally? Get a job that you hate, which is well-paid, or get a job you love, which is paid really badly. And I don't, that isn't that isn't the choice. There's a spectrum, I think, isn't there? And sometimes I actually had a similar experience. When I joined Bloomberg, I wanted to work in the music industry. That's what I... I, right. <laughs> I always wanted to do that. But then the reality is you come out of university and the job in the music industry, at entry level, barely paid anything, if anything, actually, yeah. a lot in a lot of cases. And I took that job as a way to you know, start enjoying my life in London and paying back some of that student debt I'd accumulated. But actually, it can be a jumping off point. I think that's the thing, isn't it? You're not stuck in any decision you make at any single point in time. And you can also then step into something which initially might be a step backwards or sideways in terms of earnings. I personally believe that if you've got a real passion for something and and also skills which complement that passion that ultimately it can deliver financial rewards as well and I think that takes some time to play out but I I invariably see that when people make decisions like that for the right reason. Yeah completely when I compare leaving Bloomberg to go and work for 50 Best the salary was significantly lower and actually the workload in the end wasn't significantly different I ended up working incredibly hard but it was a step in the right direction for me. And I did learn that over the years, the more I went with it, the more I could get from it. But then the decision to go freelance, which has been something I was thinking about for such a long time, was then a huge financial risk because I owned a house by that point and I needed to be able to earn a certain amount of money. And in the first year as a freelancer, I didn't earn that much money partly because I was writing a novel, which is a major outlay of your time and efforts, because with a nonfiction book, for anyone who doesn't know how it works, with a nonfiction book, you usually pitch the book, and then you get a book deal, and then you write it. So you know what you're going to earn in advance of writing it. Whereas with a novel, you have to write the entire novel, do loads of rounds of edits, before you can even get an agent, before you can get a book deal, before you know whether you might get paid for it eventually or not. And in most people's cases, the pay is very, very low. So it's something that you absolutely have to do for the love rather than for the money. Um, So for me, I was in that situation. And then the first year of of being freelance, I didn't earn very much, but I knew that I would be able to increase it. And then in the second year, I think I was earning a lot more, but then came the pandemic and I actually lost quite a lot of work. So um, it's, it's up and down. But now I'm at a place where I'm actually through various projects and things, I'm earning more than I was in my last job. And it's right. not been a significant amount of time. And I know that will be very, very up and down over the years. But, well, we work together at Bloomberg and we both know a little bit about the stock market, although I never really knew that much. But it's kind of like that difference with stocks where you can actually earn. So when you're freelance, you could you could earn very, very low, but you could also earn very, very high. Yeah. Whereas when you're in a company, your salary is what your salary is. You don't usually, unless you're earning bonuses because you're in a bank or whatever, you're, you know, you're earning that one thing and you know what it's going to be for the whole year. So mm. I really like that, even though I'm a low risk person, I really, really like that element that, I can do as little or as much as I like, but the rewards are limitless and not just the financial rewards, but also the rewards in terms of my satisfaction as well. 
You said earlier on that you actually like working. And I think this is, I think, one prerequisite for doing something on your own. And whether that's going freelance, working as a contractor, setting up a new business, you need to enjoy the work that you're doing because it doesn't necessarily need to be all consuming, but it isn't by nature something you can very easily leave to the nine to five. And 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 I think in a lot of cases, and I've, I've spoken to hundreds of people now in the research for my book about this and this sort of changing relationship between our work and our personal lives. And part of the reason I dislike the phrase work-life balance is it, for a start, it suggests that the two are in opposition to one another in some way. It also tends to be shorthand nowadays for people wanting to do less work. So if you want to do less work, then that's fine. You can say that. Certainly when I see it working are where people's work and their lives kind of complement one another. And it's like a virtuous Mm -hmm. circle. So you get energy from the work that you do and, you know, that creates new opportunities and that gives you more fulfillment in your life. And it sounds to me like that's sort of how you've designed what you're doing, even if it's not necessarily a conscious design process as in I want to do this amount of this and this amount of that you mentioned before it's not all about financial rewards so what intrinsic motivation do you experience doing those different things and are you conscious of it I think it's just the personal satisfaction of doing something that I've done that no one has asked me to do and that I that came completely from my brain and was just something that I wanted to do because I wanted to do it yeah. Um, whether that's writing an article or producing a podcast or or writing a book, um, I've I've met a lot of other authors over the last couple of years because I'm on this um, path to being published. And at some point, I think when we look back to our ten year old selves, we just wanted to be authors. We we would mm. have said, I I'm going to grow up and write a book one day. And even my 30-year-old self would have said that. But then at some point, it becomes about money and about comparison. And inevitably, there are, are, there are novelists who are earning a huge amount of money. And there are novelists that are earning a very, very small amount of money. And there are also things that your publisher does. They may do a massive amount of promo for one author, and they may do a very small amount of promo or none at all for another author. And it's very hard... Um, for people not to compare themselves with others in that environment and I've talked to quite a few people about this and what I've said is that if you talk to your friends and say you've written a novel your friends will all say wow that is amazing you've written a book I've always wanted to do that they know how much hard work it is and and they know how amazing it would feel if it was them and so you have to strip away the stuff that is is all extras money you know at the end of the day I probably would have written this book for free you know I wanted it to be published I really really needed to get my story out there I wanted to share it with people I want people to read it and I'm getting good reviews now from the book has come out in Germany already and it's having some amazing reviews and feedback and for me that is absolutely everything and of course I want to be paid of course I have to make a living of course I want to write more books and therefore it's going to have to be a paid thing but um, but at the end of the day, like the most important thing is getting that book out there and doing the project that you're really happy with and doing it the best of your ability. It's not mm. it's not just about how much you're earning. So the work life balance is actually a really difficult thing because um, I work from home like many of us do, um, but also I 
I work in an area where you kind of have to show your personal self. So I've written a book. It, the novel is called Single Bald Female, and it's about someone who was diagnosed with breast cancer and the kind of uh, experiences that she has after that. And it's inspired by my own experiences. It's a, absolutely a fiction. But because it's inspired by my life, in all the promotion that I do for that, I have to show some of myself. So I'm yeah. pitching articles to magazines where I'm talking about my own life and my own experiences, where this came from. And then on social media, I'm letting people into my own life as well, obviously with boundaries. So, I'm, you know, I don't share on social media the really personal stuff, but I do have to share some level of that. So and on some level, I feel uncomfortable with that and I have to do what I feel comfortable with. But when you work in something that's as personal as having written a novel and I guess writing for women's magazines or writing for health, you have to blur the boundaries between work and life. Yeah. And then I also, I, I kind of, I have two Instagram accounts. One is Laura Price Eats, where I write about, where, where I share stuff around my novel and my writing life and things. And then the other price, the other one is Laura Price Eats, where I write about, where I share stuff around restaurants and food and travel. And in that one, you, you know, you see me sometimes eating out and I've, I'm also um, friendly with a lot of the chefs who I've met around the world from these events and they know me as a face and I also pre- present events so it's a real blurring of of personal and and work um and then I also enjoy the things that I do so I actually go to those restaurants for pleasure not just to write about them because yeah. you know uh, that's partly why I didn't want to stay in finance because I didn't enjoy finance but I'd rather write about food so you can only blur your work and your life like that if you really enjoy your work otherwise you would be really miserable in your life as well because right here I'm talking to you in my kitchen with all my work around me but also with all my life around me and it's really complicated these days and I think that's a situation that a lot of people are facing at the moment when you look at a lot of the research and the studies around happiness and fulfillment it often very much is linked to the type of work people do so we should at least aspire to be doing work that we enjoy doing and rather than just say when work ends that's when our life begins because it's not really realistic which isn't to say that we shouldn't be putting some boundaries in place and like you said I think when we're all working from our own kitchen from our living rooms from you know spare bedroom like I am then you have to create some boundaries. I spoke to Dan Pink, the business book author on my podcast last week, and uh, he's refurbed his garage, essentially. That's his office. And for him, his commute is 12 steps, I think he said, between his kitchen and his garage. But at least in his mind, he's got this boundary between what constitutes work and what constitutes life. So it's not to say that there isn't some separation there. It's just that, for me, when those two work together that's when we have our best lives and do our best work i'm very envious that your job i assume was to go to some of the best restaurants in the world eating nice food and then get to write about it tell me about your new podcast because i I think that's going to focus on your love of food as well yeah kind of so it's called life in food and every episode is with a different guest on a different topic and its relationship with food So I have an episode on food and family, food and love, food and fertility, food and friendship. They're not all Fs. There's also food and um, strength, food and grief, um, food and cancer as well. 
and food and healing. So yeah, just different people sharing their experiences and how those experiences relate with food. So for example, I have interviewed someone called an author called Jessie Stevens on food and heartbreak. She's written a book called Heartsick, which is incredible. And we talk mm-hmm. about things like um, in the movies when someone has a breakup they always sit around with a pot of ice cream eating it with a spoon from the tub but actually in real life if you've ever experienced heartbreak you can't eat you completely lose your appetite so just talking about all these little intricate details so it's not necessarily a a podcast about food per se or about restaurants but it's about food and the other stuff and the the life that goes on around it so Mm. yeah it should be fun I hope oh that sounds really interesting Yeah, absolutely. If anyone is interested in reading the book, it's called Single Bald Female. And it's about a magazine journalist called Jess, who has recently um, moved to a new magazine where she feels imposter syndrome, and she feels a bit out of her depth. And then shortly after that, she also has a breast cancer diagnosis and a breakup with her boyfriend. Um, But it's actually not depressing at all. It's quite funny and has lots of it's about the experiences that she has along the way and the positive stuff that comes out of that which is inspired by my life as I as I said so hopefully it'll inspire a few people too and the podcast is called Life in Food and it will be available on all the usual podcast platforms brilliant thanks Laura and that was my conversation with Laura Price It was great to reconnect with Laura, fascinating to hear her journey, and I'm really looking forward to reading her book, so make sure you check out the link in the show notes to Single Bald Female, which is out on the 14th of April. As I said at the top of the show, loads more great guests coming up, so make sure you subscribe. Also check out the newsletter, Future Work Life on Substack. Every Sunday I share one thing that I've written, three interesting things I've read during the week, and something great to listen to. So until the next episode, have a great week.